So we're going to be continuing the series this week in James chapter 1, and we're only doing verse 9, 10, and 11. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about material things. I believe we live in a world right now where so many people are chasing material things that they're losing sight of what truly matters. That's the world we live in, either money or cars or houses. Now, before we get into this message, I will tell you right now, don't leave this place and say, Pastor John said there's something wrong with material things. I'm not telling you there's anything wrong with material things, but your motive in having those material things are what makes it right or wrong. There's people that have a lot of stuff and there's people that don't have much stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a heart issue. Where your heart is, what you're doing, why you're doing it. Why do you want those things? Because we live in a world right now where the world says, if you have this, you will be happy. If you have that, you will be happy. So last week we started our James series and we talked about testing. So if we go to James chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, we're going to read that. Talking about material things. I don't know in your Bible, but in my Bible, there's a, there's a place over the top of it that says the perspective of rich and poor. This is what this is saying that this place in Scripture is talking about. It says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass, its flowers falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. I believe James is teaching us this because in the world we live in today, our standards are messed up. Our standards are messed up. James says that the humble are high and the rich are low. We are so commercialized and possessed by our possessions that we can't even measure correctly. We judge our position in life not by happiness, health, or wholeness, but by the car we drive, the homes we have, the toys we got, and the clothes we wear. This is the society we live in. James states that in the end, the prosperous life is not in what you have, but in who has you. In who you have and in who has us. Quit trying to keep up with so-and-so down the street and people you don't even know. Like you got so many people chasing things saying they need this and they need that because everybody else has that. We can't be basing our life off of what everybody else has. We need to base our life off of who has us, which is Jesus Christ. Here in this passage, James is comparing the withering of the grass or the fading of the flowers to the temporary nature of material things. We all see the grass turn green in the springtime, right? The grass grows, and we see it grow and become rich and green all summer. But no matter how much we try to keep it that way, it will not last. It cannot last. This is what James is saying with his comparison to material things. He's teaching us that just like the grass and just like the flowers, these material things in which we place so much of our value in, we place so much of our identity in, and so many people believe they are what they have, these material things can do nothing. 
Are material things uh, good for a season? Do they bring pleasure in the moment? Right, they do. Right? How many ever bought a brand new car and you jump in the car and you're going down the road? They're like, yeah. Right? Yeah, I got some new wheels. But you know what? In a couple of years, you're probably not going to be feeling that excitement about them new wheels. Think about this. Jordan, can you make sure everything's muted up here? I'm getting a little echo up here. Please, thank you. If you go out and buy a house, it's exciting to buy a house, right? But then once things start happening, <laughs> it's not always exciting to own a house. It felt good in the moment. Yeah, we signed the papers. We got a home. And then little by little, things start happening and upkeep and repairs and all these different things. You don't feel as excited as you did before. But everybody tells you, you do this, you'll be happy. You do that, you'll be happy. You might feel good for a moment, but it's temporary. Everything the world offers you is temporary. Everything. They're only good for a moment. In these material things, we find satisfaction and beauty for a time. But in their beauty, even in their beauty, at some point it fades away. And the satisfaction we once found in them is gone. Material goods do not last. I believe that James uses the term rich here because in his time, the rich had the material wealth. They had the extra things. Can I tell you this? There's a lot of people in our world that have the extra things. But in the end, you're richer than they are. There's people who got a lot of stuff, but in the end, you're richer than they are. They might have all the cars and houses and, and tools and, and, and toys that they do all these different things with. They might fly here and go there, but they're on their way to hell. We got all these things and we think this is what brings us happiness. This is what's going to take care of us for life. But in the end, they're poor. You can have all kinds of things and be poor spiritually. But you know what? You can have nothing with material things and be rich in all the spiritual things. It's not about having a bunch of money and a bunch of material things. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ and knowing that the Word of God says, that He says, I'll supply all your needs according to His riches and His glory. He is taking care of his children. During this time, and for much of human history, there have been those who have what they desire. I mean, want to have what you desire. Sometimes I don't believe we always get what we desire. Because some of the things we sometimes desire are fleshly desires. And just because God says he'll grant the desires of our heart, he'll never grant the desires of your heart if they, he, if they don't line up with the will for your life and his word. There was no middle class in James's day. You know, in our world we live in today, you've got all these different class levels. There was no middle class in James's day, and the rich tended to not want to be poor. So they held on to staying rich, even if it meant taking what the poor had. Sounds like some things in our world right now. That's all I'll say. I know I wasn't the only one thinking it, so don't make it like it was just me. Amen. Now you may think or say about this preacher, this, this is not speaking to me. I'm not rich. I work hard, but I'm not rich. 
It may be true that in our society you may not be considered rich, but in the eyes of the world, all of America, even our poorest people are rich. I want to break this down a little bit for you with some studies that I put together this week, and I was looking at different reviews and different pages and websites. We find this really quick in two countries. First, let's look at Mexico. The average minimum wage earner in Mexico will work six days a week, and they make about $10 a day. This comes to less than $4,000 a year. And we complain. If that ain't enough for you, let's look at India. Jim, I don't want to talk to you again, buddy. <laughs> uh, let's look at it. It's okay to have fun in church, right? You can have fun, all right? Let's look at India. Statistics reveal that over 40% of the population in India makes less than the international poverty level of $2.80 a day. If we set their wage at $2.80 a day and they work six days a week, this would equal to about $873 per, per year. And we complain because we don't have this and we don't have that. I'll never forget the story my dad told me when my dad not just told me, but he told the church many times when my dad went to Haiti years ago when I was younger. And they were having a testimony service, and my dad had an interpreter while dad was preaching, and there was people all over the place. And, and this lady wanted to testify, so my dad called her out, and she testified. And the, the interpreter gave the interpretation, and what she said was, I thank God for the piece of plastic I found last night to cover my kids up with. Listen to this. Listen. How many times do we take for granted all the blankets we have in our closet? I'm just trying to put this in a little bit of perspective for you. We complain and we complain and we complain. But yet you've got no problem going down to Walmart and buying a whole roll of garbage bags or go to the hardware store and buy a whole roll of plastic to do whatever you want to do. Yet this lady in Haiti is just thanking God for one piece that she found to cover her kids up at night. And we complain that we don't have anything. Or woe is me. Now compare those two countries, India and Mexico, to India, Mexico is looking pretty good. Think about this. Going from almost $900 a year to $4,000 a year, that's looking pretty good. But America is the dream country. Everyone dreams of coming to America to succeed. But the bad thing is this. Our country is focused on getting things and consuming things. Our culture constantly bombards us with a message that these things will bring you happiness. It's not a wonder half our teens and young adults are so messed up as they are because of how much the internet and TV tries to possess them with wanting to have all these possessions. Think about it. Or they got to compete with, with, their, with the kids sitting next to them in class. Because our culture is, it's, it's now between hand-me-downs and new clothes. Or if you got new sneakers, but yours were last year's sneakers. And now kids are being bullied and made fun of because we're in a world now where it's about what you got. 
Too many in America think things connect to happiness. But as we look here in verse 9 through 11 of chapter 1, James lets us know that those who rely on material things are going to be greatly disappointed. How many here can say, I've been disappointed by material things? That car I bought like five years ago, they said it was going to last me three years, it lasted me one. Right? That didn't happen to me, I'm just saying, a scenario, right? But those who rely on God are going to find honor in Him and honor from Him. What we must understand and keep as a focus is that God is our sufficient Savior. In Him we find provision and He is all we need. So the question for believers should be, when will we make the decision to begin to live our lives seeking Him first and not things and not materialistic lusts of our hearts? Let's read Matthew 6.33. I think we got them all in there this morning. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So what's that tell me? It's telling me that it's not wrong for me to have things. But if I'm seeking those things over God, that becomes wrong. You might, don't leave this place saying, well, Pastor John says this new car I'm driving, I can't have material things and I can't do this and I can't do that. I'm not saying that. Where's your heart? Why do you have those things? What's your motive? Because if you're seeking the worldly desires and you're just seeking material things and not seeking God, that's what becomes wrong. It's not wrong to have possessions, but it's wrong when your possessions possess you. We have to have a heart check. Having material things isn't wrong, but material things having you is. We do not want to get to the end of life and find we wasted it pursuing the wrong things. In Jesus' day, there were basically rich and poor. That's it. There was no middle level, there was rich, and there was poor. I would imagine it would have been hard to sit back and to see those who had so much being somebody who had so little. Can we just be honest for a minute, right? Wondering, where is God? How many here, you don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to think about this. How many here have ever been to that place where you see everything that everybody's got? Or everybody else is being prosperous. Or everybody else is, is having this and getting this and receiving this. And you've thought to yourself, where is God? Where is God? It was not like today when you're dealing with having a 36-inch TV versus a 72-inch TV. Or a Mercedes versus driving an old beat-up truck. Or wearing hand-me-down clothes compared to new clothes. The poverty back then was real and noticeable. There was also the issue of persecution that was hitting many of the people at this time. James reminds the readers that instead of focusing on financial issues, focus on what is waiting for you. We got too many people in the church that complain, 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 and complain about financial issues. But on the flip side, we got people that complain, 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 but don't want to do nothing about their financial issues. I got one amen. Can we touch on that for a second? Because we think we have to have everything handed to us because that's the culture we live in. 
I deserve this. They owe me this. This is what I need. This is what I want. I believe you get what you work for. You don't work, you don't get. Now, don't leave this place saying, well, Pastor John, uh, there is genuine people out there that physically can't work. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking against. So don't leave this place and say, Pastor John said, I, I'm, spo- I'm not going to get anything because I don't do nothing, yada, yada, yada. I've had that happen before. There's people that genuinely and sincerely cannot work. But there are people that can and don't and they want to freeload for all their material things and their possessions. Is this okay for a moment? When we can work and we don't, there's, when we can and we don't, there's, there's a problem there. There's an issue there. And I believe a lot of the people living with not having different things is because they don't work and also they don't spend what they got wisely and they're not stewards of what God has given them. And they're not faithful to do what God has called them to do. I believe we play a big part in what we have and what we don't have. We want to put it all on God. We want to put it all and say, well, God this and God that. What are you doing? We live in a lazy society. This isn't in my notes, but this is just, just take it, all right? We live in a lazy society. When you have people putting on Facebook, looking for somebody to come shovel my walkway, but yet you got a 15-year-old in the bedroom playing video games? I don't want to see your post about needing somebody to shovel. You be a parent and kick them in the butt and get them out on the driveway and shovel the walkway. Like we got too many people and their parents are allowing it. The parents need to stop being part of the problem and start being better solutions too. Okay. All right. All right, let's get back to it. Let's get back to where we were. So James reminds the readers that instead of focusing on financial issues, focus on what's waiting for them. He says that they should boast in their exaltation. The word boast is not used in an arrogant way, but rather to celebrate. The poor are urged to boast, not in their own ability, but in what God has done for them. Now correct this now. It's not in their ability, but what God has done for them, but God has given them the ability. So don't just sit around and say, I'm not going to do anything because God's going to make it available. He's going to do what He wants to do. No, God's going to give you the ability to give you what you need to do To receive also what you want to receive. No matter what our position in life is, James calls us to delight in our position in Christ. If you're here this morning, you got a lot of money, it's from God. Your position is still in God. If you're here this morning, you feel like, well, I don't have much, your position is found in God. It's not based on your dollar sign. It's not based on what you have in your bank account. It's based on who you serve and who's taking care of you. Depression, resentment, and selfish ambition can easily characterize the lives of those who are not well off economically. 
But can I tell you this? We got too many people in the church with a poverty mentality. Too many. Can I tell you this? Poverty is not a virtue. Some of you need to hear this this morning. And stop talking so much about, well, I'm I'm in poverty. This is just the way God wants me to be. This is the way I'm going to stay. Poverty is not a virtue. But I'll tell you this, how you handle the poverty can be. There's so many people that have faced hard times. And then they face the hard times. They get this mentality of, well, this is just who I'm supposed to be. And that's what the enemy wants to tell you because they don't want you to put any effort in and they don't want you to become, and he doesn't want you to become something. And it's so sad that there's so many Christians that have read this book thousands of times, but they still believe that poverty is just a way of life. And poverty is a virtue. Now let me tell you this, I'm not saying you'll never face hard times. I'm not saying there's never going to be times where there's difficulty and and maybe things seem tight and things seem short. But I can tell you this, when you trust in God, He's never failed me. He's always provided. He's always made a way when it looked like it wasn't there. He's always on time and He knows what He's doing. He didn't say I'd have a million dollars in the bank, but He said He would supply all my needs. And He'll do the same for you. Doing what God wants you to do. Let's read Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Now I want you to understand this for the corrupted minds of some people in the church. This doesn't mean to be content and just be satisfied where you are and say, I'm going to stay this way. To be content is not saying I'm happy with where I am. I'm content in who I serve, knowing He's bringing me through from face to face to face. He's bringing me every step of the way. I'm where I am. I'm not going to sit around and complain. And woe is me. I'm going to be content in the position I am, knowing that this position is not where I'm staying, and God is taking care of me. It's not saying to be content and say, well, I'm just this is where I'm staying. No, it's not where you're staying. God has more for you. So back to James. This looks like James is condemning the issue of wealth. But he's not. Once again, wealth is not the issue, but rather the attitude behind it. Jesus himself had many people of means who were his friends. Zacchaeus, Joseph, Barnabas, Nicodemus, just to name a few. If we have been materially blessed by God, We are not to find our esteem from that. We are not called to boast about how we got the wealth. We got too many people. Look, I'm not not talking, listen, I'm bringing this message to the church. I'm not talking about the world. We shouldn't expect any different from the world. There's too many people that got these standards on the world, and I believe they're too high. Because we're depending on a world to have these standards that don't even truly know right from wrong, and we have standards on people that don't even have relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about the world. That don't surprise me. But how we look at this, I'm bringing to the church. Because this is a mentality in the church that needs to be changed. Because there are a lot of churches and people that it's all about material things. Look at me. Look what I got. 
I'm not against churches having things. I'm not against churches doing this and doing that. But what are we doing it for? Like, what are we doing it for? I'm so tired of walking to churches now where you walk into a church and you're confused. Am I at a church or am I at a concert? Am I at a church that's here to please God or am I at a church that's here to please everybody else? I'm not saying anything against having stuff, but what is the motive in doing that? Because you know what attracts people? And you know what's going to set people free? Not your strobe lights, not your light show, not all your big fancy stuff in your sanctuary. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. This is what's going to draw people. This is what's going to set people free. This is what's going to break chains. Everything we have comes from God. Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. I'm almost done, I promise. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. He gives you the ability, He gives you the power, it says, to get wealth. That He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. So what you got and how you got it isn't because of you. Everything you do, everything you've got is all because of God. And when you truly have a perspective that everything you got is from God, I believe you'll have a different perspective on what you do with your stuff. And maybe you'll share your stuff. And maybe you'll bless somebody else with your stuff. When you realize it's not mine. I'm just holding on to it. I want to bless other people with the blessings He's given me. It's Him who gives us the ability. If one is not careful, one can fall into the trap of having a lot now and nothing to show for it later. The issue with riches is the tendency to rely on them. Our natural tendency is to rely on what we have and what we see. But the Bible says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. I might not see it right now, but I walk by faith, not by sight. Knowing that He's, we just sang it this morning, He's always working, He never stops working. I might not see it right now. This thing that's in my life, I, I might not be taken care of right now. But every day you need to continue to put one foot in front of the other, saying, I walk by faith, not by sight. Knowing that He is and always will take care of me. If we decide to live life off of what we have, and if we decide to rely on our stuff instead of God, our riches quickly will fade away. The story of the rich man and Lazarus. We see one who lived a life in luxury. And Lazarus who had nothing. The rich man's issue was not that he was rich. And there's a lot of people that think that's the issue. The issue was not that he was rich. It was that he lived for himself and for his riches. There are rich people that genuinely have a relationship with Jesus Christ and don't serve their riches. And I believe God blesses them all the more. But then there are people that have riches and live for themselves. And this is what this is talking about here. In another instance in Luke chapter 12, we have a man who was very well off materially. Look what happens to him. Let's read Luke chapter 12, verse 18 through 21. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. 
And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. We must be careful that our pursuit of wealth and comfort does not lead us to exclude God from the mix. He is to be first in all things. And if you want to come back. This is what we're called to strive for. This leads us to the final verse, James chapter 1 verse 11. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass, its flowers falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. This thought basically says that material things have no position with God. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't have enough stuff to get your way into heaven. This is a wonderful thing here. Why? First, if material things gave us position with God, then those without material goods would be in trouble. But my Bible says, For God so loved the world, not those that got material things or those that are rich. He says, For God so loved the world that He gave. Secondly, for the wealthy, what happens if they lose their material goods? If having goods gave us position with God. That means the rich can lose. If you read Matthew chapter 6 verse 20. Last verse. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Can I tell you this? What you have materially can be taken from you. Like that. But what you store up in heaven in your relationship with Jesus Christ and your spiritual goods will never fade. Can never be stolen. Will not break. What are you pursuing? The only treasure that is 100% safe is the treasures of heaven. And the third reason is this. What we have here is only temporary. And James, he speaks to the wealthy, specifically telling them that what they were chasing was temporary. It's not that they had those things, but it's the fact that they were chasing those things. We must carefully consider what we're going to pursue in this life. So where are each one of us today? Where are you today? Wealth and poverty are subjective terms. The issue is this. Who or what are you relying on? Or whom or what are you placing your trust in? Who or what are you pursuing? Look, I believe what we've read today is very important. Because the world wants to suck us in. The world wants to suck you in. Do this, do that, try this, try that, buy this, buy that. 
That's why so many people are so far in debt it ain't even funny because they're falling into the trap of all the material things the world half offers and thinks they've got to have it. And for just 17 payments of $25.99 a month, you can. It's stupid. It's what it is. We shouldn't live for material things and be in debt. If you got debt here this morning, that's not what I'm, I'm not preaching against that. That's not what I'm telling you. But a lot of times we get to that place because we're falling into the trap of the world. Man, I can't afford it, but man, now I got this thing. This swipe, 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 swipe. Got to have this. Swipe it. Just swipe it. Plastic, buddy. Got it. And before you know it, you're so piled up in debt because you believed the lie of the world that you had to have that. Or you thought that would make you happy. Or you thought that would bring you joy. But it's temporary. Well, Pastor John, I can't bring the money to heaven with me. Spend her while you got her. Spend it now. But you know what? There's wise and unwise ways to spend your money. Invest it in where you know you should. Buy what you know you should and what you can't afford. This is a little financial lesson from Pastor John. I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. I'm not saying that. But my, my motto has more become over the past couple of years, if I ain't got it, don't buy it. Because I refuse to go down the road of, man, yeah, that looked good. That looked good. Man, I could use that. That gun looks awful nice. Sorry for those gun, not no gun people, but this looks really good. But I didn't. You know why? Do I really need it? Don't really need it. Might have made me happy when I bought it. But then I might have that payment very long. That's just where I, that's just how I operate. Be a good steward of what God has given you. There's wise and unwise ways to spend your money. Don't blow it on the world's pleasures. Don't cry to me that you're in debt and you ain't got no money when you're up to the casino a couple miles up the hill dropping 500 bones every Saturday night. Seriously, there's people in the church that do that and then they complain they got no money. Well, I made 300 bucks, but you spent 500. That don't line up. Don't make sense. Be stewards of what God has given you. Do it wisely. Don't go chasing material things and, and walking around saying, I got to have that, I got to have this, I got. God knows what you need. And when you follow Him and rely on Him, I believe He'll give you wisdom and discernment on what to do and what not to do. But your position always is in God. Everything you've got, everything you don't have. If you've got a bunch of money or you don't got a bunch of money. If you've got a beautiful three-story mansion or a double-wide trailer that's falling apart, your position is in God. You've got a roof over your head. Count your blessings. You used to sing an old song growing up, Sunday school, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. 
Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. You might not have the best things, but you got things. You might not have the best car, but you got to church this morning. Be thankful for what you've got. And always understand that no matter what, it's because of Him. Amen?